Hello and welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. My name is Joe Thomas and I'm one of your co-hosts back from assignment. Special assignment last week, but we're back in studio. The Tomahawk Show is brought to you by Uninterrupted. Subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, and everywhere you get your podcasts. So the Tomahawk Show, for all of our first-time listeners, which... There should be like 30,000 at this point, right? Because I think every show we should just continue to reach new heights as a podcast, and we've already been breaking records. It's everyone's talking about it. It's literally probably the top podcast to ever hit the airwaves. But anyway, so the Tomahawk Show, I think what people like about the show so much is, and I get this from fans, like people on Twitter, I get it from teammates, coaches have hit me up, media personalities, is that it sounds like you get to sit in on basically the conversations that we have every day. Right. As athletes, like at the lunch table or in the locker room, because what people don't realize is like things go on or like there's things in the news that they talk about at home or at work. And they just think that football players are just lifting weights and sprinting all day long. But the actuality is, yeah, we sit and talk about the same things. We debate them. And that's essentially what this Tomahawk podcast is about. Right. Absolutely. I think that's why it's exciting for me and you, because this is just us moving our conversations that we had in the locker room to the studio exactly, and then bringing, you know, our hundred thousand plus friends to listen in on it. Exactly. So we're all together. We're like a hundred thousand member football team right now. If you guys have topics that you want to hit us up with, we've been doing this a lot more. People have been kind of giving us topics. Really the fans are our producers because they give us topics throughout the week. Hashtag us on Twitter. Um, hashtag Tomahawk. It has to be with an H or it's not our show. So hashtag Tomahawk. Um, today, you know, Dan, what, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to be talking about the craziness of the divisional round of the playoffs. We're going to be talking about the latest news and moves around the NFL. Okay. And we're also going to be trying out some new segments. Okay. Why don't you tell them about the first one here, Hawk? Well, before we get into that, if you guys don't know, that's No Face Dan. He doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a, <laughs> he doesn't have a last name. He doesn't have a middle name. He doesn't <laughs> have a history. He doesn't have a bio. So that's NFD. Um, obviously, I'm Andrew Hawkins, and I'm, I'm joined by Joe Thomas, who is um, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Just as I am, but just not in um, in football. So um, what does NFD stand for? Does it stand for No Face Dan or Nameless Faceless Dan? Well, that's the beauty way. of the nickname is it could be either way. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be people hitting us up and tell us a different version of what NFD can can stand for. Probably can't say it on air, but <laughs> But I'm you can definitely call Hawk on Twitter. And yeah, definitely block at you. me. At me and let me know what NFD stands for. All right, so we're also going to do some 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 topic some topical uh, things that we usually don't do. We're going to be all football, and it's all tied to sports because we're jocks, and that's completely fine. You know, but we're going to also dive into some things that we might not normally do. Number one, Cole Beasley has a rap album out. You buying that? You know, I listened to uh, his first single, and I was actually sort of impressed yeah. with how quickly he was rhyming words. Yeah. But then I realized he's probably sitting in a studio with the lyrics on a sheet, and he's reading them so? over and over and over and over. And so I got less impressed, especially, you know, he kind of went with some of the hip-hop cliches a few a few <laughs> more times than he should have with his lyrics. Right. Uh, but overall, I was a little bit more impressed that it was more of a hip-hop slant than, a, say, the country rap, which is one of the things that's sort of out there. Some people yeah. get into, like, the Colt Ford, where they have, like, a country song, and in the middle they'll do, like, a 30-second slow rap um, so I guess me stereotyping Cole Beasley, thinking he'd say. be like, oh, yeah, the white guy's probably going to do the country, the country rap the instead of like the true hip-hop. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I think it was entertaining and none, nonetheless. I think he's talented. I need, I need a little more substance out of his lyrics. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan of athletes rapping, man. Count me out. 
Yeah, I got to be honest. Uh, anytime you hear an athlete rapping, like remember AI uh, and Shaq, yeah, those, those guys all had their own rap albums. Instantly, you're like, oh, this is going to be a joke, right? Like, like oh they can't God. possibly be good at this, even though they might actually be pretty good at it. I mean, uh, have you listened to any of Dwayne Bowe's new stuff? I'm a that fan he just, of Dwayne Bowe. I, I actually think lie. he's pretty good. I, I think mean, he's pretty good too. Hip hop's not really my thing, but I listen to it a lot, obviously, being in the locker room and yeah. um, in the weight room and uh, pretty much everywhere. It seems like guys carry their. Uh, their beats uh speakers these <laughs> days um so i get plenty of it but uh i think Dwayne bow he he might have he might be onto something who, yeah who was better who had the better rap better rap it depends on what you're looking for i'm more of a Dwayne bow fan myself my thing is, is i think rap is about like yes lyrics are involved in it and like talent but really it's entertainment right so you want the most entertaining person number one yeah. and you almost you want to get invested in the like the person who it is mm-hmm. Playing with Dwayne Bo, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, and I feel like anybody who's ever played with him will attest to this. If you've ever been around Dwayne Bo, he fits the description of a rapper way more than he does, like, as a football player, personality-wise. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll come no to the facility with six chains on, sun, like, Gucci shades, in a Rolls Royce. Like, I've always felt like he was a rapper. I just think it was his true calling, man. I follow him on Snapchat, and oh, he has got one of the most entertaining Snapchat oh, accounts of all time. And he's definitely trying to live that hip-hop life. There's no doubt about it. I love it. I'm, I'm working on an intro right now by Dwayne. I'm working on a, uh, getting a produced Tomahawk intro by Dwayne Bow. I think it would be ph- phenomenal. I, it's the only way to do it. I think that will get us to the 100,000 viewers that we're looking for. Um, all right, so first topic, we got to talk crazy finishes in the playoffs, man. The Minnesota finish, that was wild. I think some people were saying one of the craziest finishes of all time. I think that's up there with that David Tyree catch in the Super Bowl with the Giants. I I mean, against all odds, being able to make that catch and run in for a touchdown when really – there was no chance and no hope that that was going to happen. And actually, Sean Payton was on the sidelines celebrating the victory. <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> Which happened to be almost the best part of the game. Oh, he was taunting Vikings fans, the head coach. If that isn't karma instantly kicking in, I don't know what it is. You know what's crazy? Because we've been in that situation before, right? You're in a game. Like, you're trying to believe, but you don't really believe. Like, it, it never happens. Like, one play left, you need 61 yards. You don't got Tom Brady back there. No offense to Case Keenum, but that's just the reality of it. Like, I, I, I was, I was kind of at a loss for words. I was at ESP and I was filming. Um, I host Sports Center on Snapchat, and so I'm in there like we're in a production meeting, and it happens, and I just start yelling all kind of cuss words. I run out the door, run full speed through ESP, like, cause I'm like, my mind is going crazy. I cannot believe what I just seen. I broke a, a window. It was wild, man. It was, that stuff it was a, doesn't even happen in Madden. I know, man. Like, what are the chances of that? The crazy thing about that play for me is they weren't actually trying to score. They were right. just trying to get some more yards so that they could throw another Hail Mary into the end zone to try to score a touchdown. Yeah. And it just so happened that Marcus Williams made such a bad play on the ball. Oh, man. Uh, I felt bad for that kid, man. <laughs> yeah, he turns it, around, and all of a sudden there's nobody between him and the end zone. And uh, Whose fault is that, is ultimately? If you, had to, if you had to divvy up the fault by percentages. Because yeah. they were in a bad defense. Why? Explain that. I don't know. They, they they hardly had a pass rush. And if you hardly have a pass rush, doesn't that mean that you should have more guys on the back end? And there was nobody like on the back end to be as a safety net for that, that play to happen? 
Well, you know why? Because they were defending the sideline. Because Minnesota didn't have any timeouts. They knew they couldn't throw the ball in the middle of the field, so they were defending the sideline. They knew they weren't going to take a shot down the field with like a post or something where they could get tackled and bounced because the game's over. Yeah. So that's why the Saints are playing defense and trying to keep them from being able to get out of bounds. <sighs> and you don't expect your safety to totally whiff. But even if he didn't whiff, tackle. he would have been able to get out of bounds. Like even if he didn't whip on that tackle, and that might have been what he was trying to do. He went like way outside, maybe to try to keep him in bounds, but there was literally nobody inside. Yeah, I would say maybe Marcus Williams was thinking, I need to try to tackle him in bounds and then I'll be the hero. Right. Even mm. though you're not going to be a hero because everyone's expecting you to win at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and but if he gets a penalty there by hitting him early. Yeah, I mean, it's ugly, but that's, that's, that's the game. Well, man. that's why you don't take any risks. You know, we used to go over all sorts of these situations when Eric Mangini was the coach. He was obsessed with situational football. Mangini. You know and what's crazy? There's somebody that works at the Browns named Erica Mangino. I just seen really? the name tag. And I thought of Eric Mangini. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm like, Erica Mangino, what are the chances of that? But go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways, um, it, was, it was interesting to me because in that situation you're taught don't take any unnecessary risks at all. Because if you just get what's expected to happen, whether you tackle them inbounds or yeah. you tackle them out of bounds or you just slow them down, somebody makes a tackle – the game's either over or they have to still make another Hail Mary to win the game. But the only thing you can't do is make a, an <sighs> unbelievable whiff at the ball and let the guy run in for a touchdown. That sucks. I, that stunk for that kid, man, because he's going to think about that literally for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, and you feel bad, but this is why you can't populate your team with a bunch of rookies at important positions because yeah. they're going to make those mistakes. They haven't been in that situation a lot in their career. They don't really know what to do, and a lot of times in crunch time, your reflexes take over, and in this case, the reflexes were bad. But didn't he have a, like a, a big pick that, like, I think he had a, a big pick earlier in the game that like created the opportunity for them to score and take the lead earlier. But Yeah, I'm not saying that he had a horrible game. game just because of one play, but certainly the fans are going to only remember that one play. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of happy they lost. Why? The Saints. Who did you want to win? And I'll give my take on why I, wanted, well, why I was happy they lost. Truthfully, lie. I wanted Minnesota to win because I'm happy for Mike Zimmer. Um, yeah. I, I know him a little bit, and yeah. I'm happy for Vikings fans. I'm one of these guys, being in Cleveland forever – I'm excited for the franchises that haven't had that success. Right. They've got passionate fan base that hasn't been to the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. Um, so for me, I think it would be cool. I think it would be cool if the Vikings play in a Super Bowl in their home stadium yeah. and win win their first Super Bowl. I think that would be neat for the NFL. I'm with you, too. I was pulling for the Vikings. My my, I know a couple people on the team. I know uh, Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel the hero. New York. Yeah. I was actually trying to set up an interview with him for after the game. That would have been pretty good. And if I'm you like, were actually good at your job, if I was we would have him in good. studio today. Golly. Emmanuel Lemure and um, Terrence Newman, who was like 40 years old at playing corner. Yeah. He's like the Tom Brady of yeah. cornerback, which is crazy. Yeah, so he's I was like older than Brady. Yeah, and Zimmer too. I, I played for the Bengals when Zimmer was there. Oh, yeah. But more importantly than that, in free agency, when I was a free agent, that was actually one of the places that I was thinking about going to, New Orleans. And they got a... Uh, a phantom bad report on me, quote unquote. I can't wait to hear this. It was it was something crazy. Like he was, uh, I can't remember something like way off. Like he was like crazy locker room guy. Like he was like wilder, divisive, the uh, <laughs> talks crap about all of his teammates. Yeah, hmm, interesting. I wonder where they got that. And I'm one. like, you talking Joe Thomas? <laughs> so immediately. 
Nah, but it, it was it was way off base, man. Yeah, it was way off base, but it pissed uh, me off. I'm not anyways, gonna lie. Uh, one, one let's... thing about that game that intrigued me was it was a walk off. There's never walk offs, not in overtime. I mean, take away overtime, but there was a walk off to end the game. Yeah, and you guys were involved in a walk off. It was actually a loss. I wanted to get you guys' opinion on this. <laughs> a loss? I don't remember. Any it was. Of those. Uh, I don't think I lost any games in 2015, my 2015. <laughs> the Browns were playing the Ravens on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Scores tied. The Browns line up for a field goal. To, to win the game, oh. or it goes into overtime. Ooh. The kick is blocked and oh. returned for a touchdown. Oh. So it was a walk-off loss. Yeah. I mean, what goes through your mind yeah. when something like that happens? I wouldn't do you guys know. remember that? I, wasn't uh, I do remember that. And the only thing I can think of is, are you kidding me? How the hell did that happen? Like, it's impossible mm-hmm. to imagine the outcome in that situation. When you're sitting there lining up to kick a field goal, you're thinking, all right, we're either going to win this game or we're going to go to overtime. Like, even if they block it, the ball's probably going to roll around. Somebody's going to fall on it. And we'll go to overtime and win in overtime. And to have a field goal blocked, return for a touchdown, is so improbable when it happens. You're just like, all right, I guess we got to move on to next week. <laughs> this, this one's over. Were you on the field goal block team, Joe? Uh, thank God, late in my career, because of uh, multiple injuries, they did not stick me out there except for emergency situations. Uh, so if somebody went down, I could play all the positions on field goal protection. Yeah, but uh, luckily I wasn't out there. I was just luckily going, you would have chased him down. Yeah, I would. I would have not chased him down because I am not fast anymore. Uh, but anyways, moving on. Let's talk Jaguars Steelers. And for me, I got to be honest. This was the most improbable outcome of all the playoff games the last weekend dude the jaguars are in the final four the jaguars and the vikings are in the final four that is bananas to me i think from the beginning of training camp till the end of the season i think the jaguars were the most improved team now they already had a really good defense but i remember watching them preseason game one and we were we had some crossover film because Mm -hmm. they were playing a team that we were about to play so I got to watch the Jaguars offense, yeah. and I was watching them thinking to myself, these dudes ain't going to win a game. I don't see one good thing on that <laughs> film. I'm going, their offensive line is horrible. I was like, their quarterback can't throw the ball. Uh-huh. They got nobody to catch the ball. Okay, granted, they had a, a rookie uh, running back in Fournette that was pretty good, but at that point, he was just a rookie. He right. didn't know what he was doing. And I'm going, these guys suck. They ain't going to win anything. And all of a sudden, we ended up playing them in the middle of the season, and I'm watching filming and going, wow, these guys look like something right now. I'm not going to say Blake Bortles is for MVP, but he's right. much improved. Their offensive line is playing really well. All of a sudden, they're scoring some points. And, of course, it all comes down to that defense, which just kept getting better as the season went on. Yeah, their defense is their best offense. I'm, you can count me, out the, uh, count me out the Blake Bortles train. I'm good on him. Uh, I I think we can plug him in with with face no face Dan, and they and they would be the exact same team. He just did like everyone even like praising him through the week, and maybe it's not praise, and I don't want to be too hard on him, but I'm just being honest. Like that's he just did it enough. He just didn't mess up from the time that it took to get the ball from the center and hand it to Leonard Fournette. If we're just if I'm just being honest, man, he didn't like if Tom Brady had that same game, nobody would be like, oh, he played so great, or like Nick Foles are doing the same thing with Nick Foles and. You know, he he just did enough not to screw his team. Is that the level that we're that we've come to for quarterbacks not named Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers? Well, let's be honest. This league's all about expectations for coaches, for players, for everybody. So yeah. clearly, the expectations for Blake Bortles were pretty low because Jeez. he completes fourteen passes, 
for one touchdown, and they're talking about him like <laughs> he's the MVP of the league, right? He didn't make any mistakes. He played mistake-free football, which when you have a great defense, that's sort of what you want your In quarterback. In a running game. When, when you've got Doug Marone and uh, Tom Coughlin running your organization, they want to play great defense because they're all old-school, hard, hard-ass guys, and they want to have mistake-free offensive football. No penalties, don't turn the ball over. And that's what they got on him. So they were saying, hey, he, he followed the game plan. He did a decent job. But I think that's why you see coaches getting fired these days. You, yeah. you hear about all the conversation about, oh, get rid of Mike Tomlin. The guy's done nothing but win in Pittsburgh. He has like a he's 69% win, right. win He's had like what, zero losing seasons since he's been there, and people are like, oh, get rid of him because he lost to the Jags by a couple points. Oh, man. But that's, that's all tough. about expectations. That's what the league is all about these days. Where are your expectations, and have you met and exceeded them? That's crazy to think that they're trying to fire Tom, Mike Tomlin. I can't, I can't believe it. I mean, I think it goes to spoiled fans in the NFL. When you've yeah. had the success that the Steelers have had right. over the years, they become spoiled. And if you ever lose a game, especially in the playoffs, that everyone feels you should win, it's got to get rid of the coach. He, get, he didn't have him ready. I've I seen a, a tweet like that was like everywhere. like the, the, Or I've seen the article in PFT where they said that some of the minority ownership – and like anonymous. Source. Oh, I saw that too. Uh, AFT. Off, it was probably what AFT, is the point? Anonymous. Bitch. What is the point of owning an NFL team if you still have to speak from anonymous sources? Like, is that not the most cowardice thing? Like, you own the team and you still can't come out and say what you think. <laughs> the Rooney's must must have a lot of hitmen because they're pretty scared. Those minority owners. Honestly. So anyway, so the anonymous minority owner who came out and said they felt like if they had Bill Belichick, they would have X many Super Bowls. Uh, yeah. So does every other thirty-one teams. That's the point. Yeah, maybe Bill they should Belichick. try to hire Bill Belichick. Then. Yeah, good luck. Let's they see what clearly happens. know a lot about football by that comment. Golly, man. You, All right. you talked about a tweet. Did you see the tweet the Jags put up that absolutely destroyed Mike Mitchell from Ooh, the Steelers? I, I, I love those tweets. That's when the it, social media account just goes rogue after a game and just <laughs> takes them. I don't know if I'm for it, man. I like. I that like. Sounds it like it's all you, Hawk. That's something you'd be I all like over. it for, like my personal. But like, think about it. You know I don't like when people – I get into it with fans all the time or people yeah, in general. Like, you come it. for me on Twitter, I'm going to come back yeah, at you. I love it. I don't have a filter anymore. Like, we can go back and forth, and I can do it with the best of them. But the, the ones I don't respond to are the egg, eggplant accounts, right? So it's like you just created this Twitter. You followed 66 people. You have two followers um, that were bots, and now you want to argue with me because you can hide behind an account. I feel like the, the team accounts are like the high level of that. Because no one has to put their name on it. So now you, you don't can know who's talk. actually tweeting. Exactly. Nobody, I'm sure the so, person who did wants to put their name on it. I, want I mean, I'm sure they're all happy it. for it because it did really well. Yeah, until at the Super Bowl, you run into that dude on Radio Row. Which will be in a couple <laughs> weeks. So we better be careful what we say about exactly. all these guys. Exactly, but that's be why I got you as a co-host, Bortles man. is going to, the, <laughs> going to the Super Bowl. We're going to need to hire a, a bodyguard for Mr. <laughs> Hawkins. Well, I think it's time to transition to another new segment we have since we're talking about the Steelers here. Um, new segment called Tell Me About This Guy. I'm going to ask you guys about a player, and you guys tell me what it's like, who that player's like as a person, as a teammate, if you have any interesting stories about him. Our first one we're going to go with is former Brown. He was a Steeler, lost in the playoffs in his first playoff game, Mr. Joe Hayden. What do you guys think about him? I love him. Joe is like probably – I have like a running list of like my favorite teammates. Not to mean that everybody weren't great. There was like a lot of great guys. But there was like a couple of guys who were like above and beyond – incredible dudes to me and Joe Hayden was one of those guys for me I couldn't agree more he was one of the most wonderful teammates I've ever had ever he's such a great guy 
He is so engaging and interesting Dude. and positive. Really, there's nothing bad you could say about him as a teammate. He's like one of the people, like, and like you always meet these kind of people, like, or not always, but there's like a few of them you identify them. But if someone comes to me talking like they don't like Joe Hayden or they have something bad to say about him, it tells me more about you than it does you. Whatever you're telling me about Joe, you block those people on Twitter. He's the kind, yeah, you're getting blocked. No doubt. No doubt. Like I've literally people I've seen talk mess on Joe Hayden on Twitter have been blocked. I can, hmm. I promise you, it's probably a hundred accounts. What satisfaction do you get from blocking people on Twitter? Because I've never done it before. I, See, I'm waiting for the right the topic. moment. I just, I'm glad we came to yeah. this. My philosophy on blocking, people are like, oh, you're mentally – I'm not mentally weak. Like, I can go back and forth with you all day, but there's no benefit for me to, to go back and forth with somebody who is, like like I said, behind a fake account, right? My thought process is this. If you're talking stuff on me, it's not that I want to block out the stuff that you're talking. It's that I'm always anticipating a level up. So when I become more important and now all of a sudden you want to tweet and interact with me, now you don't have the ability to do so. So like right now, there's people that are blocked that might have been talking crazy to me three years ago who now can't tweet me about Tomahawk suggestions. Now, the greater good of the show, I'm willing to take back that stance. (laughs) As long as you subscribe and rate five stars, we'll call the slate clean. But just this one time, you do it again. When I reach the White House, don't you know you're getting blocked again, man? You're not you're not gonna be able to reach me. We are not below paying for subscriptions and reviews no, on absolutely the Tomahawk not. Show. Uh, uh, the one thing I liked about Joe Hayden, just being a Browns fan, was that he was Mr. Cleveland. He was always at all the games, all the sporting events, dressing up as people. I always saw him at Cavs game. He was always sitting in the front row. And Hawk, I saw you at Cavs games a lot, and you were usually in like the third row yeah i didn't get that kind of, i didn't get that joe hayden money <laughs> I, got, I got third row money you were, you were in the third row were those free tickets that you got or did you pay for those tickets uh, i paid for i got season tickets to the Cavs. did you really yeah, and you bought them full full price full they price. didn't give you a deal no deal man oh man tough times in the cleveland browns man so, you hey, gotta man, pay for those gotta... tickets i bet you the Cavs are going to the browns one win isn't going to get you a discount <laughs> i think the steelers actually came and were courtside one game <laughs> Like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, I think, got free courtside seats to the Cavs game. Ooh, that the hurts. disrespect. Somebody needs to get fired in Cleveland. <laughs> Good guys. Yeah, but Joe, Joe is one of those guys. Man. Yeah. Yeah, Joe's a great guy. He was a great teammate. He always gave great effort when he was out there. Yeah. And uh, I think it was really sad for a lot of the guys in the locker room. I think this year the Browns made a lot of moves, um, mm-hmm. trading guys, releasing guys, but in the 2017 season, I think that move when they cut Joe Hayden was probably the most deflating move for the coaching staff yep. and for the players in that locker room, especially all those young guys that we had. They all looked up to Joe. They loved Joe. Everyone loved him. And we're thinking, we cut this guy and we had $70 million in cap space. Like, yeah. Like, what is that trying to say about the season? Right. And he, he has that personality, man. I like him. I, I, you remember Miles Austin was like the same kind of guy. Yeah, Miles was a great He's guy. He's also like – Big you know, moment miles. Big moment miles. And you remember he got hurt that year in 2014. And, like, the whole feel of the team, mm-hmm. especially the offense, kind of, like, just just dropped because he wasn't around. Like, so much so that when he got out of the hospital, he came back to, like, help coach. Yeah. Just because pe- they realized, like, yo, him not being around made a difference. So I can imagine that Joe yeah. not being there was the same way. What, what's Miles Austin doing right now? He actually works front office with the Cowboys. Is he really? Yep. Is he going to be at the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know. That's you got question. you got his information. You want to hit him info. up? We got to get him on the Tomahawk show. Maybe. Oh man, that would be a get some information on what he's doing these days, and you know, hit him his, up with and some his of take those. on Cole's Cole Beasley's yeah, first you know, rap CD. Just hit him with all the topics. Put him through the car wash. There we go. All right, we got a, a topic timeout.
Next one we got is, a, oh, your Twitter poll. Yeah. Best sports movie. Yeah, uh, which was interesting to me because I'm a huge Cool Runnings fan. That's probably my favorite sports movie of all time. That and Major League are my two favorite. Okay. And I'm getting really excited because the Olympics is coming out in February, mm-hmm. and I'm a huge Olympics guy. Winter, summer, yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, you're from Wisconsin. So of yeah, course you we love, love the Olympics. curling. We love everything I don't even about know what it. year that comes on, yeah, but of yeah. course you love it's it. It's coming up. We're going to talk about it a lot in the Tomahawk Show. But I'm super <laughs> excited, and I was buzzing through my Twitter as I was on my way home from assignment uh, this weekend, and I see that Jamaica is sending their first women's bobsled team this year uh-huh. to the Olympics, and they've got their own Twitter page and everything. And I was so pumped about it. Followed. I, I followed. I definitely <laughs> followed. Set an alert for when yes, they Absolutely. It. I retweeted, and then I quick put a Twitter poll out there because I love Twitter polls. It seems mm-hmm. to get a lot of reactions, a yeah, lot of comments. You do fans. love Twitter polls. Yeah, I, I was the king of Twitter polls for a while, and then uh, somebody overtook me. Now I'm the queen, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, and I threw it out there, and at – that time, for some reason, the only other two movies I can think of that were good sports movies were Hoosiers and Rudy. Now, I don't even really like Hoosiers. I know some people loved it. Gosh. I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, oh, this movie's kind of slow. Yeah, I didn't like Hoosiers. Uh, I'm not but, a Hoosiers guy. But so I, I threw those three movies out there on a Twitter poll, and actually, Rudy won the poll. Of course, like Rudy won the poll. Are you serious? Uh, which was a movie I loved. That what movie. was Cool Runnings? What did they get? Cool Runnings was right behind. Them. I don't think if you if you pulled a hundred people, I don't think Cool Runnings would be in the top five of anybody's movie. A very which, underrated movie. Which it's is an so underrated, underrated movie, dude, but that doesn't make it the best. Movie. Like it, when I seen you put the poll out, obviously I voted for Rudy for obvious reasons. Come on now, <laughs> but when you put the poll out, I was thinking like Cool Runnings, like who who's favorite? But now that you tell me the story, I see that it was like a. Of course, that was in there because it's your favorite movie. It's so my favorite movie. You should have probably started a poll that said favorite sports movies and then took the top selections You're and right. made the poll. It probably would have been better that way, but I your think I got news. more reaction. I got more reaction by putting that out there yeah. and seeing the people's reaction when Major League wasn't on there, when Remember the Titans wasn't on there, was yeah. uh, League of Her Own was not on there. I know that's AFD's favorite movie. Yeah. Um, and so now I think I am going to have to come back and do another Twitter poll with actually my favorite movies to see who. What are your top three? So I would say my top three are probably Varsity Blues. Okay. Because like when I was in high school playing football, I love that movie. Right. Uh, cool Runnings and Major League. Cool Those runnings. would be my, my top three. What about you, Hawk? That's a solid top three. My top three, if I, and without giving it much thought, no order, Rudy, because it kind of shaped my life, number one. Number two would be probably remember the titans was a really good movie and hoop dreams actually hoop dreams hoop dreams was like you, you ever you ever heard of that one uh i've heard of it i didn't so not. hoop dreams was basically a documentary following uh these kids from inner city chicago basketball players from like seventh grade to the end one of them was like a superstar they both got recruited to this high school the one was like super short they like didn't think he was that good so all of a sudden this catholic high school which had you know isaiah thomas went to they made it oh you can't pay the tuition but they figured out a way for the other guys to be paid. He started in the varsity team as a freshman. So they sent him back to the inner city. Well, as time goes on, the one kid ends up blowing his knee out at the good school. The other one hits a growth spurt and goes from like 5'6 to 6'4. He ends up going to play at, you know, Division One football and actually, you know, being the hero at the end of the movie. So but it was a real documentary and it was mm-hmm. like super crazy and shaped my life. So mm-hmm. on one hand, I'm like, yes, things work out in the end. On the other hand, I'm like, I'm going to shoot up to 6'4. <laughs> <laughs> so it gave you false hope for all this time. Exactly. 
Well, that's cool. I'm gonna have to put that on my list. I keep a running list it's on long, my phone. It's like a six-hour movie of movies that I that I love. Um, speaking of basketball movies, actually, I think number four movie that I love of all time is He Got Game. You ever <laughs> yeah. seen that movie? I saw that I when I was Jesus like, Shuttlesworth. Yes, yes. I was like 13. Ray Allen. Oh. I was like 13 or 14. And my best friend and his mom took me to that movie. And at that, I think it's an, uh, clearly it's an R movie. There's some very adult scenes in it. That's how you knew you wanted to be a college, yeah, and college I was like, athlete. Whoa, my eyes were I'm open. I'm taking to, all my visits, yeah, coach. My eyes were open to a whole different side of the world here. And uh, so that, I think that would be my fourth. How about, how about you, AFD? What's your top three all-time well, sports My movies? number one's easy. This is my top. Top three of all movies. It's Happy Gilmore. That's I've oh, seen it a hundred times. Laugh every time. Is that a sports movie? Yes. Oh, See, I, I think you know. might say that about all three of mine here. So yeah. my number two is Karate Kid. Eh. Ah, you're pushing what? it with that one, bro. Eh. And number three is Rocky Four. Never got into the Rocky series. Yeah. Oh, you're tripping. Yeah. I, I never watched any. I mean, I might love it, but I just never did. Oh yeah, you'll like them. You got to watch them. Yeah. Man. But the Happy first, Gilmore. The first two are too that. old to watch now. You got to watch the later ones. Yeah. Yeah. Start with Drago. Yeah, that's four. That's the one I like. Yeah. Start with Drago. All right. Well, they're on my list. All right. Let's uh, let's move off of favorite sports movies and uh, get back here to the coaching update. The Titans have fired Mike Malarkey after offering an extension hours, maybe days before yeah, that. Yeah, like, I don't get that. I'm so baffled when I saw that. I thought it was like some type of fake news. So what did they like? Would he not agree to it? And they said, no, we're, like, we're not changing our offer, so we'll just split? I really don't know what happened. I mean, he went nine and seven his two years as the full time head coach and won a playoff game this year. Is he a defensive guy or offensive guy? He was an offensive guy. He yeah. was the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. Yeah, Falcons for too. He was yeah. the coordinator for a long time. I, what I don't get is what I hate, and I say this all the time. I don't like when people fire winning coaches. I didn't like that Caldwell got fired after two you. winning seasons. I especially don't like that Malarkey got fired after going to the not only going to the playoffs, win a game. winning a playoff game. Like you said, man, the expectations are just unrealistic from people sometimes. And I think, like, those kind of organizations that make those decisions, they deserve everything that comes to them. So, I like, now I hope the Titans don't win for the next seven years. Just naturally. Not just because yeah. off of principle, man. Like, he's a playoff. As a guy who <laughs> spent the last couple of seasons fighting just to get close to the playoffs, like, I just hate when teams don't, you know, recognize a good, that good of a job. Now, if he does that forever – you know, and I can't even say that. Like, if he goes to the playoffs 10 years in a row, like, what are we complaining about? We're winning. You know what I'm saying? I just don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I know that the argument is, well, the record is not a perfect reflection of how good he is as a coach. And and sort of that was my argument with Hugh Jackson, why we need to bring him back. All right. right. We win one game in two years. Clearly, our record is horrible. But he's a good coach. You need to bring him back. You need to give him a real chance to win. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the argument with Malarkey. Like, Okay, yeah, they were 9-7, and seven, but Mariota reg- regressed. Their offense wasn't as good as they should have been with all their stars. But yeah. I just don't buy that argument. I mean, I know everyone wants their team and, and their quarterback that they see that has potential to be Tom Brady or the next Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. But legitimately in the NFL, not everybody's going to be those guys. You're going to get as much as you can out of them. And you're going to have to just – Except sometimes that your quarterback, who you think is going to be a great player, is not Aaron Rodgers. Not that good. He's just not that good. He's going to be sort of a middle of the pack quarterback forever. Right. So you got to basically build pieces around him. Yeah, you got to do a better coaching job, but who's to say that his coaching job wasn't him actually doing a good job based on what he has? You know what I'm saying? I I just, I don't know. Like you said, I I don't like it. I mean, one of the, and we'll we'll get into this topic because we don't shy away from hard topics here. I, I was on Twitter talking about the Rooney rule. And I have a I have a specific take on it. Like I just don't think that it's done anything, and 
you know, I, I, I get why it was put in place, but I don't think it's it's accomplishing those goals. I don't think it's that much different now than it ever has. I mean, hell, they're talking about firing Mike Tomlin now, and he has a 69% uh, percent win percentage. So, I, I mean, the Rooney Rule, for those who don't know, was put in place where teams have to interview a minority ca- candidate. They don't have to hire him, but they have to at least interview a minority candidate for all, I think, general manager positions and all head coaching positions which I think is a good concept in theory, given that the, the talent pool of players in the NFL is like between 75 and 80 percent minority. Right. So I understand that. But then it becomes just kind of like a sideshow or formality. You know, when you look at the situation with the Raiders, where clearly they wanted John Gruden, which is fine. That's the guy they wanted to hire. But then they have to go like retroactively interview a guy just to check this box off. And this guy understands that. You know, I know I'm not getting this job. And who wants to go interview for a job that they know they're not going to get? Like, that's like the most, that's like the biggest slap in the face ever. So in that respect, I just don't think it's, like, necessary. Like, we maybe figure out another way to get, to to kind of nurture former players into going into coaching um, or whatever that looks like. I just don't think the Rooney Rule is doing anything, and I don't think it's working the way they thought it would. So I think the argument with the Rooney rule is that you give young coaches an opportunity to interview, to mm-hmm. practice their interview skills, even if maybe, like the Raiders, they already knew they were going to hire John Gruden. And you put their name in the media circle of head coaching candidates. Yep. And, you know, Anthony Lynn gets the job with uh, mm-hmm. the Chargers last year. He was a guy who probably got some interviews early on because of the Rooney rule. And then after a few years of his name sort of being swirling around in the media yeah. uh, about potentially being the next head coach, he ends up going and getting the Chargers interview, uh, and then he gets the job because he nails the interview. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I'm not saying it does, it does absolutely nothing, you know, because I guess it is a step. But even still, like I said, for the guys, there's, there's guys that I see interviewing every year, like Lewis Reddick, who works at ESPN. He interviews – for front offices, multiple teams every year. And it's almost like it seems like it's just because they're trying to just qualify the Rooney rule. And he's a guy he'll just be able to go back to his ESPN job. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it's like, yo, like I I, I just don't think I would be able just to continue to go through that process and and really not feel like I was getting a fair shot because the guys know they want to hire. I I get you know you're going to want to hire. But it goes back to our previous conversation about the coaching buddy system. We hire head coaches from coordinator positions. And if not a lot of minority coaches have coordinator positions, then they're not going to get the head coaching job. So not to mention, a head coach isn't, for the most part, getting a job and then going to decide, like, oh, now I'm going to take interviews for my coordinator positions. It's the opposite. Like, if you're a head coach that goes to interview for a, a team, if you don't have the guys that you're going to have in place as your coordinator, which are normally your buddies or guys that you've talked about this at length with for a long period of time, that, yo, when I become a head coach, you're going to be my DC or you're going to be my OC. If you don't come to an owner with that in the interview, then they're going to look at you as not being prepared. You can't come in there and say, oh, hey, I don't have a coordinator. What I'm going to do is when you hire me, I'm going to interview a bunch of guys and, and hire who I think is the best. Nobody does that. It's a buddy system. So until you change the buddy system, which is our original point, that just go get the best O coordinator, D coordinator, head coach, receiver coach, O-line coach, and make them figure out the chemistry, quote-unquote, they need to make this the best team because you're the best available talent as coaches, then it's never going to change. That's a good point. I think the Browns hired Rob Chudzinski 
five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And he was a first-time head coach. He really wasn't in the name of the pool of guys that were potential head coaches. Uh, but he comes to the interview and he tells ownership that he's going to hire Ray Horton to be the defensive coordinator, who was a really hot name at that time. Right, he came yeah, from the Cardinals. He was mm -hmm. like the top defensive coordinator. And Norv Turner, another hot name at the time, yep. being an offensive coordinator. And so having those two guys really had a big influence on him getting that job to be the head coach. So you're right. Everybody that comes to those interviews is going to tell the owner, I've got these two guys in my back pocket that I'm going to hire for coordinators. So this should be a big reason why you hire me. Right. I mean, you talked about North Turner. I, I can't remember the exact tweet, but he's now the offensive coordinator for Carolina. Panthers. Carolina. His son is the quarterback's coach. His like nephew is the receiver's coach. <laughs> his son-in-law yeah. is like the offensive assistant. He's brought like six people from his family. Yeah. As coaches, like you a mean to deeper tell me, than the buddy system. That's like that's a whole different level of buddy system that we ain't, we didn't even anticipate. That's a family system. Well, there is a lot of nepotism in the NFL, and that goes in the front office. That goes in coaching. Uh, that goes pretty much everywhere because if you're good enough to become the grand poobah, the head coach or the GM of any organization, they're going to think, well, well, we'll take him hiring some of his family members or some of his good friends and uh, we'll deal with it. But a lot of these older coaches, these guys who kind of have been retired or uh, are thinking about retiring, they decide to stay in the game because they do want to give their kids that opportunity to get the foot in the door and get a foothold in the, in the profession right. because it's, it is so hard to become a coach in the NFL. It is. It is. So apparently – the Lions are going to hire Patriots defensive coordinator Matt Patricia yeah. to be the next head coach, and it sounds like Hawk may have a little bit of tidbit that's interesting there. Well, no, I, I, and again, most of our topics come from Twitter because me and you are very active on Twitter. That's just <laughs> our thing. And even though you just got on last year, you have been a pioneer in the in the Twitter game. But so I tweeted out about Matt Patricia when the report came out because if you remember in twenty before we hired Hugh, twenty fifteen, I believe, or after the twenty fifteen season. Matt Patricia was one of the candidates for a head coach. And I remember thinking, like, oh, I do not want this dude, man. Because I just knew he was going to come from New England. He mm -hmm. had the big beard. He got the mean look. I'd never seen the dude smile. I'm like, he's just going to come in here and drill Sergeant his way. And, like, because what happens is when you come from a losing team, coaches come in and they think, oh, you, you, just, you guys don't know how to work. So we're just going to up the ante. And what you have – is every coach just comes in trying to up the ante, but they don't even realize they're just doing the exact same thing the last coach did. You know, that was Mike Pettin. That's what those guys did. Like they just came in and grinded us, which was cool, which was fine if that's your 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 specific style. But don't just. My problem with with it was like I equated to a Benz. Which no face Dan drives a Benz, right? So we'll talk about his Mercedes. If one no, of those G wagons, those yeah, big yeah, ones, a hundred hundred thousand plus the G wagon. So no face Dan has a hundred thousand dollar G wagon Mercedes. Mm -hmm. It runs out of blessed. gas. And if I walk up on that car and Dan says, if you can get it going, it's yours. Right? So the the Browns at the time were the G wagon. I was the guy I had to get the gas. I grabbed some unleaded gas because it was the easiest. I just got to put it in there and get it going. So yes, the car got going, but after a while you realize that, you know what, that might not have been the best thing. That was me. I'm 30 years old. You can't just grind a 30-year-old into the ground and think you're going to have him in November and December. So over time, my thought process was if he's a grinder, I'm not scared to work. If you know me, I'm, you, you can't think of a practice where I didn't work my hardest, where I didn't work my butt off. 
You were the guy that Hugh was always highlighting. Yeah, Kyle like, was always highlighting. Hey, receivers, we want you to play like Hawk. We want you to block like him. We want you to practice this way. This is how a professional does it. You know, so it's in my DNA. So it's not that I'm scared to to work hard. It's just that over time, grinding like that hurts my knees. It hurts my ankles. It hurts my shoulders. And come December, I feel like you know a walking hospital patient. So that was my thing with Patricia. But the point of the story was I got to New England, and being around him. The dude was the complete opposite, man. Really? Oh, my gosh. Like, he was one of the first people that came up and talked to me. Super right. personable. Like, the players love him. He gets fired up. Like, I'm like, and I felt like an idiot because I'm like, damn, that, that actually probably would have been, <laughs> he probably is going to be a really, really good head coach. And here I am in my mind thinking that he wasn't a good option. Well, it's interesting. Obviously, the Patriots continue to have success year in and year out with the Belichick-Brady. Um, and the coordinators are always the hottest name right. in the game, college and pros. But really, when you look at all those guys who have left New England to be head coaches, you can't really say that there's been one of them that has been overwhelmingly successful at their head coaching job. Because for the most part, most of those guys just try to be Belichick somewhere else, but they're missing Brady. Yeah, and, I, and maybe, it's, maybe it's just Belichick. It could you know? be. That goes back to the conversation. Who is it? Because I, I what, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, Josh McDaniel was the first time around. Mangini, you know, I mean, none of them were. I, I, there's probably some I'm missing. Bill O'Brien, O'Brien, you know, he he's enough, but he's not even. He's probably the best out of all of them, to be honest. He did pretty well at Penn State, and he's done a decent job in Houston. You yeah. know, there was some rumors this year about him getting fired, but I think actually uh, Deshaun Watson getting hurt probably helped him because right. that was his argument. Well, I don't have Deshaun Watson; you can't yep. fire me. Once he's back, we're going to be Gotta great. So uh, we'll see guy, what happens. Vrabel, watch out for him. Vrabel. I think he's going to be a good coach. Because he, he's supposed to be the leader for the Titans job. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the real deal. The real deal. Yeah, I think as long as you have some experience away from the Patriots mm -hmm. that you can call on when you're a head coach, I think you can do a good job. But what I fear is the guy that started with the Patriots and stayed with the Patriots and yeah. just you. That's all you know. And now, granted, Belichick he developed that system and it works great for him and it's better than anybody has ever done as a head coach yeah. uh, of all time. But I think when you just try to copy what somebody else does and you don't have any other experiences to sort of, sort of mold who you are as a head coach, I think then you become a little bit lacking as a head coach overall. I think you hit it right on the head, man. Life is different on the outside. There's no <laughs> doubt. All right, let's pivot to a new segment we've got called Player Speak, where we dissect and translate recent comments from fellow NFL players on social media. And first up, we have Odell chiming in on the Giants move. He tweeted, God really works in mysterious ways. Let the journey begin. I'm geeked. Hawk, what do you think about that tweet? What is he really trying to say? I don't, I think, I'm not sure because I don't know if Odell has any history with Shermer. Maybe he does. Maybe they might have crossed paths somewhere. Not that I, I can remember or know of. I, I think that's probably more to the. I don't know. He's about to get a payday. I feel like. So you think he's just excited yeah, about his think, new contract? He doesn't care yeah. who the head coach is? Like, you know, he's one of the leaders on the team. He's the guy that everyone looks to for the Giants, especially if they're if they're moving on from Eli. You know, I, I think it's just new coach optimism. Like, everyone tweets that when a new coach gets hired. If you don't have any history with him, you say, man, I'm so excited about this coach. because You want to get on his good side. You want to make exactly. sure he's giving you the ball and nothing prohibits you from getting your uh, $100 million contract. Mm -hmm. Because when you're a guy like Odell, who's almost one of the faces of the NFL, 
if you don't say anything when people are saying you're going to hire a new head coach, that speaks a lot about what you think about that guy. So you really have to say something, exactly. and it has to be positive. Otherwise, you just are going to start on the wrong foot. Exactly. And maybe they have a history somewhere. I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. I just, yeah. It's funny when, when players do that. So, Hawk, did you have any coaches that you really wanted to work with in the NFL? When you were on a team and they fired the coach, brought in a new guy, were you ever lobbying or jockeying for a certain coach? No, because I'm I'm the same way. I I want to play for coaches that are gonna uh, showcase me. <laughs> like to be honest, like I'm not trying to like once you get to the NFL, you know, at, at, at my the way I got there, it, it's a business, man. Like I'm gonna give you everything I got. I want a coach that's gonna be able to say like, yo, you do this well, we're gonna help you do this because you work so hard, we're gonna reward you this way. You know, like I'm not trying to learn new things about offensive schemes while I'm playing. I'm trying to maximize my value so I can maximize my salary two guys in my career that i was really excited to work with once uh, we said we were going to hire him were that doesn't count though uh, don't give me the once we decide like, yeah cause, well all right when when the <laughs> job the, was open give me the coach that you yeah. wanted to work with that you didn't absolutely. work with right absolutely no here is okay. what i'm going to say so right. stop cutting me off Hawk. my apologies two coaches that i was really excited when the job was open that i wanted him to get the job but uh-huh. also when we hired him i was really excited were Kyle Shanahan okay. and Hugh Jackson. And yeah. Hugh I had history with because he was in Cincinnati for so long, and I developed a little bit of a relationship with him, mm-hmm. uh, just being a competitor with him, respecting right. what he did in Cincinnati, respecting that offense, watching him all the time with mm-hmm. crossover film. Uh, but also Kyle Shanahan. I didn't have any history with him, but I had a lot of friends that had played with him yeah. in Houston and also with the Redskins and Every single one of them couldn't say enough good things about who he is as a coach uh-huh. with his X's and O's, but also who he is as a person and his relatability for linemen especially and offensive players. And I was so excited for him to bring his offense, which is well-known to be really offensive linemen friendly, yeah. to my team so I could finally run that offense because at that point in my career, that was really the only offense that I had not played in yet. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I wonder what, what would have happened if – if Cal didn't leave after that year, because he was he was awesome, man. He was an awesome coach, and, and the two coaches that I got to play with were you know Hugh and Cal, and I felt the same way because you, you like as a player you respect what your peers say, and it's crazy that you say that about Cal because I feel like literally every position, like receivers, the running backs, the offensive line, the quarterback, they're like, oh man, you're gonna love Cal. It's so offensive line friendly. It's so receiver friendly. They say the same thing, but I think that's just kind of a, you know. A telltale sign that he's probably a pretty good offensive coordinator. Well, it says a lot about who he is as a coordinator and a a coach when every position group loves him. Right. But it's funny you said that. You must have uh, pretty hardworking receiver friends that don't have thin skin. But uh, (laughs) my O-lineman buddies in Washington, what they said about Kyle when we hired him was, you guys are going to absolutely love him, but there's going to be some receivers in that room that are going to hate him because he's the first guy that they had ever worked with that hold receivers accountable to block yeah. and to run hard even when they don't have the ball. And, he, you know, for the most part, receivers in the NFL, they're divas. Yeah, they're, they are. They're, they're sure. afraid to get yelled at, to get coached. They don't like it when the coach stands up there and calls them out in meetings. And yeah. as linemen, we get that every day, so we're used to it. Used to and it. we like finally having a coach stand up there <laughs> and call the receivers out and make them feel the pain that we feel. Yeah. And Kyle was the first guy that I'd had and those guys that always also had 
that actually would do that. And he wasn't afraid to hurt the receiver's feelings if they weren't blocking hard or if they weren't giving great effort or doing exactly what he wanted. For sure. And, you know, Kyle's a former receiver, so he knows, like, right. you can't BS him about what you're capable Absolutely. of, what you can put in, what kind of effort or whatever. Absolutely. And that was the biggest thing. I think with us, and even the guys that I'm, I'm cool with around the league that played with him, they're like, like-minded guys. Like, I don't mind blocking. I like blocking. Like, if you would pay me just to block, I would do that. That'd be the easiest. <laughs> you could be a lineman, dog. Yeah, you could be, be my a, left guard. I'd be a pro bowler. You're going right to have to hit that growth spurt here pretty soon, receiver. though. <laughs> but yeah, man, no, no, those are, those, are, those are good coaches. All right, we got a um, topic time out here. Let's see what, which one we're going to hit. We could talk about uh, video games. Oh, the, the, the player fight. What are your thoughts on that? The Clippers, who uh, CP3, who now plays for the Houston Texans, they got into, you know, Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. I'm sorry. What did I say? Houston Texans. Houston Rockets, they got into it with the Clippers. CP3 takes them through a, a, a secret tunnel that he knows of because he used to play with the Clippers. <laughs> Home that field advantage. Into Home the locker advantage. room to start a fight. Oh, my God. You got any fight stories when you were in the NFL? Uh, I love this story, but whenever I hear about fights in the NBA, I kind of laugh a little bit. It's really? kind of mean, but I'm also thinking, like, these dudes don't really want to fight each other. <laughs> They're just totally doing it just to get some cred. Uh, but no, there's always fights in the NFL. I think locker room fights are something that happen on almost every team I've been on, uh, especially in training camp. The heat, the yeah. humidity, guys are tired, they're angry, you've been beating each other up all training camp. And there's fights every day on the field, and a lot of times there's fights that spill over in the locker room. But usually, actually, that's the best way to get over a beef. On, yeah. the, on the team, when you guys throw down and you get after it for a little while and then, and then you get separated, and then you're all good. Everyone's friends. Like, oh, yeah, we're good. We just had to get it out the way. We played the um, – I think he was playing with the Broncos. We played the Broncos one time when I was in Cincinnati. Akib Talib got into it with one of the players on our team. On the, I, I won't drop names, but he got into it with one of the players on our team, and it spilled over after the game. Like, in the game, the player was like, yo, I'm going to punch you in your face after the game. And Akib was like, okay, I'm going to be right there. So after the game happens – a kid and the dude walk up. And I forget which one went to go shake hands, but the other one was kind of like, oh, no, no, no. It's go time. So they dropped their helmets to fight. And so they're about to, like, they start getting into it. So, like, we separate and we go in the locker room. We had a player on our team who, like, knew him or, like, in passing or something that was like, oh, that's my boy kind of thing. So then the player and that dude get into a the, fight in the locker the room. The teammates. Yeah, the teammates. Um, and then the dude – like leaves to go to the back to the Broncos locker room and it like it took like five players had to chase him down because he was then going to finish. It was oh, wild, man. man. It was wild. That's awesome. I, I love those stories. They're so funny. My favorite fight story from the NFL actually didn't involve me or any of my teammates, but you can see it on social media is the Richard Sherman versus Trent Williams fight. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I want to call it a fight, but do you remember that one? I, like, you can look it like up. Big dude like big dudes beating up little dudes. <laughs> Trent Williams man. is one of the most explosive, powerful men in the NFL. <laughs> He's like 335, and he runs like a 4'8". The dude is just nothing but muscle. And he just socked Richard Sherman right in the face after game. And I appreciate that because I appreciate some strategy in your fights. The thing that makes me the most pissed off when uh -huh. I watch a fight is when a moron punches somebody in the helmet. I go, first of all, he's wearing a helmet. It's not going to hurt. Second of all, you're probably going to hurt yourself. So when I see these little receivers running around and punching each other in the helmet, I just think, what idiots. If you're really going to want to make some damage, you got to go through the th throat punch or you got to go for the chokehold. Or you just wait till they take their helmet off <laughs> yeah. like Trent Williams Super and you just dirty. hit him in the soccer punch. My soccer dad would punch. tell me that too. My dad would tell me there's no such thing as a fair fight. I had a brother who was two years younger than me. And he would say, there's no such thing as a fair fight. If someone fights you, the other one say, okay, I'm, I'm out of it. It's between you two. 
and you go around the other side and, and punch him in the back of the head. <laughs> and we literally would do that like all through our, our childhood. That's awesome. We would just jump That's people awesome. because there was no such thing as a fair So I was, I was a big chokehold guy. I didn't believe in really like going for the punches because usually you're wearing a helmet. Right, And right, it's hard right. to get a good punch in when they're wearing a helmet. You know, the, that Adam's apple area is sort of a small area to aim for when you're in those <laughs> training camp fights. So usually I went with the chokehold and I would try to choke them right until the point they were about to pass out and then let them go. And I got into a pretty good fight with a kid named Titus Brown who was on our team. This was like my fourth or fifth year. Uh-huh. And it got so bad that... Romeo Cornell came over and separated us. There was like a huge pile. He separated us, and we both went our separate ways. It was like during one-on-one pass rush. <laughs> and we both go our separate ways, and he's walking away, and I'm walking away, and I'm going back to the huddle, and all of a sudden, Titus got pissed off again about something. And he was still <laughs> mad. He turns around, and nobody's between me and him now, and he comes with from full speed 30 yards away and just <laughs> spears me right in the back, and I go to the ground. I turn around, and here we go again, back to the chokehold. And so they separated us, the and then they threw us both out of practice. They didn't, they didn't cut him? They didn't cut him right away. I think they waited a little while. I think they knew that, like – he was a smaller guy than me. He was like two forty five outside yeah. linebacker. They knew he really. Wasn't I mean, the back spear. That's like. But the back spear was a little dirty. <laughs> that was, I thought that was, that was uh, a little aggressive. But he would have got. I yeah. left my helmet on. That was good. That was smart of you. Um, what else we got? DeAndre Hopkins tweeted, "Best place to eat in London." You ever been to London? Uh, it's a little bit of a sensitive subject because I actually did tear my tricep this year, oh, the week before that. the London game. And I yeah. know a lot of guys that have been over on the London game hate that trip yeah. because it is draining and it's exhausting. And once you've done it, I think once is enough. But for me, I was excited because I'd never played overseas uh-huh. before and I was excited. I've never been to the UK and it was sort of a dream of mine. I had a big family that was going to come over and we were going to enjoy it like a little vacation. And, of course, I get hurt the week before. What? So my wife and her dad and her sister still ended up going over and enjoying oh, the really? game. Oh, uh, well, really? I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital eating sucks. hospital food or whatever. Well, it's funny. That was, that was a Tomahawk trip, I feel like. The reason why the Browns were played in London this year was because of Tomahawk, and I'll tell you why. If you remember, at the end of 2015, Troy Vincent came to the facility. And he, he met with, like, leaders on the team. And there was, like, six of us in there. It was, like, me, you – Demario Davis, um, Josh McCown was in there. Um, Joe you know, Hayden, maybe? Joe Hayden was in there. All guys that the Browns cut or traded. Yeah, none of us were on the team year. next year. <laughs> but he brought that up about the London game. And, and you know, because like you said, some players hate to do it. It's an inconvenience. And me and you were like, well, we've never played in London. Yeah. Like, we all, we want to go to London one time. He's like, oh, oh, you guys really want to go? <laughs> Everyone in the room was kind of like, yeah, man, we've never been. And then it comes out like two weeks later. Cleveland has a game in London. <laughs> and, of course, I end up getting uh, released, and you end up hurting your triceps, so yeah. neither one of us So literally to to nobody in that room that nobody was in that room Vincent played in played London. In that London game. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, well, J.J. Watt responded to DeAndre Hopkins' London tweet saying, Nando's, it's a great chicken spot. Uh, apparently it's now available in D.C. and Chicago. I've unfortunately never been to the U.K., like I mentioned, but it sounds good. Have you guys ever been? Do you Have you ever gone over there? Do you have any restaurant suggestions for our fans who are going to go over there to watch some of the games? Nah, I mean, I, I stick, to, stick to the island of North America. <laughs> I like to do most of my vacation in Canada. And, uh, that's my that's my overseas travel. Now, do they have mission barbecues over there, Joe? Over Lake. We're travel. trying to expand. You know, we're a global uh, multinational company. Can we get a mission we'll barbecue sponsorship? I think we should. I mean, I'm wearing the shirt today. I think yeah. it's it. Good product, it's a please. natural uh, fit with our fans and with I what agree. you know we like to do. Damn good barbecue too. We if you like ask to me. Do, uh, you know, it's dry barbecues and you add your own sauce. We've got like 15 different sauces you can add. It's Ooh, f- I like phenomenal. It. I like what you it, did it really there. is amazing. I mean, if I wasn't an investor, 
I would have some credibility on this, but uh, I think it's a fantastic I, I, spot. I legit love it. I'm not going to lie. You ended well, up – what we would do is we would have Friday, like, meals here in Cleveland for the Browns, and we would get to pick all these restaurants. Like, so each position group got to pick a restaurant. And somehow it just ended up where we just – it literally turned into Mission Barbecue Fridays. Because we would just have it, I feel like, every week because everybody liked <laughs> everybody it so loved much. it. It just changed from picking. Like, yeah. oh, Mission Fridays. Yeah, I'll but. talk to my people. I think what we need to do is have a nice little spread here for oh. us when we're doing the show every week. Have the Mission Barbecue on, you know. Now we're getting. Uh, now we're getting now I, we're I think we can make oil. that happen. I think then all you'd hear us on air going is, yeah, NFD London. Any spots over there to eat? I've only been. I went once for work. Didn't really get out to eat. Fire alarm went off at about 2 a.m. It was a terrible trip. <laughs> Sounds awesome. fun. So we didn't miss anything. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Hawk, what's your favorite off-season vacation? Or like you said, you're just a North American guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Cabo. Cabo. Yeah, whenever like the uh, cartel isn't like beheading people, I'm just hanging them from bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, when then they're not cool. doing that, it's all. It's Do love, they give bro. you a text alert when it's going to happen so you know when to stay away? Or what? I don't know, man. I, I I haven't been since they started uh, leaving pe- leaving heads and coolers at the border. I'm like, yeah, I'll sit this out for a couple of years, see what happens. <laughs> You're good. You can go to <laughs> South. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll get uh, the experience somewhere else. Yeah. Um, for me, actually, my favorite off-season vacation was my honeymoon. I went to Switzerland for my honeymoon, which was a really fun trip. We did a lot of hiking and just enjoyed the oh, mountains. It was that cool. sounds miserable. Yeah, no, I know. It doesn't sound like something you'd like wow. to do. Those little legs would have a hard time getting yeah, up that mountain. Walking sounds like... Anything I have to do, anything strenuous, count me yeah. out. I'm not interested. All right. Uh, another time for trending topics here. We've got new celebrity couple alert, Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick. Mm. Uh, interesting that it seems Aaron Rodgers has a type. Olivia Munn, they just broke up. She's a short, attractive celebrity brunette. And yeah. uh, Danica Patrick, nearly the same person, only a little bit older. And since she can drive a lot better. So maybe he went for the chauffeur. Maybe she's going to drive Danica's him around. really short. Like, I'm a short dude, and she's like, I, I tower over her. So why do we think that Aaron Rodgers won't date a normie? Why won't he date a regular girl? I mean, there's <laughs> plenty of good-looking girls in Green Bay, I'm assuming, right? I, I mean, I'm mean, i from Wisconsin. I married a Wisconsin guy. girl. I'm sorry. I don't there's want to talk about it. I'm sure we Wisconsin. have a lot of Wisconsin uh, fans because oh, millions. of you. So I've never been to Green Bay. I, can't, I couldn't give you the... Uh, so I have been to Green Bay. He's, he's, been he's obviously one of the biggest celebrities in the NFL and yeah. in the sports world. So it would be probably tough to date a girl from Green Bay. Uh, tough to meet anybody who wouldn't love you just for being Aaron Rodgers first and foremost. But yeah. there's got to be people like in Florida. I don't know where he spends his offseason, wherever it is, that he can meet on Tinder or something. It's I don't tough, know, maybe, man. maybe I'm just unrealistic. I think you're unrealistic. Like it's We're two guys that, you know, we were nobodies when we found our, our ladies. That's true. I, I feel like it would be hard for guys, especially like Aaron, who was like a superstar, yeah, to find people like genuine like love at that like, that that doesn't take into account what he does or who he is as a person. So, a so you have to go celebrity then. Well, yeah. How often are to. pro football players with other celebrities? You have to you be like, like the top of the heap. Parties. You're, yeah, you're not nah. Andrew Hawkins, Joe Thomas, dating celebrities. You got to be nah. like JJ Watt. Yeah, Aaron exactly. Rodgers, Tom Brady, then you're going to get the celebrity babes. But you got to be Russell Wilson. You yeah, be exactly. Like, there you go. You got to be running in those circles. Ain't, ain't much celebrities in Strongville. You, know, <laughs> you can't give away your location like that. Come on, man. I have <laughs> no problem saying I'm in Strongville. Beautiful. Going hard. Sunny. Yeah, it's all right. So do you have a celebrity crush? Ooh. Um, nah, I don't, man. I really don't. 
I genuinely don't have a celebrity crush. You know, it's funny we were talking about this before the show started, and both of us had the same comment. And it's not just because we're sucking up to our significant others, but like I think when I was younger, I, I had celebrity crushes. I, yeah. I liked Kate Upton when I was like in my early twenties, but yeah. now I'm like old as hell, and I got a bunch of kids, and I don't even <laughs> I don't even look at that stuff. I'm not I'm not into the, like the celebrity thing anymore. Yeah, when I was like a teenager, I was big into like uh, Tyra Banks. Yeah, she was super hot back yeah. in the day. I mean. Swimsuit model, cover model. I mean, she still is. It's amazing. She hasn't aged a Yeah, she doesn't look day. much different. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like, maybe we're just old. I think that's what yeah. happens when you get old. It's kind of sad. Like, it is. is it the testosterone drop? Like, this, this Tomahawk show is taking a turn for the worse. <laughs> we're like yeah, the geriatrics. So we don't even like girls anymore. <laughs> we're like, nothing turns us on. NFD, celebrity crush? I fit in the same he's got, he's got a paper list of 132 <laughs> names. Yeah. Numbered. No, I we don't get that much time in left the in the show. You guys. I have a nameless, faceless wife. Yeah. <laughs> so I fit in this, I'm old like you guys. And you have a nameless, faceless yeah. crush? We're, we're not doing a good job. Celebrities of, uh, have faces. It, it's not a good match. It's not a good match. We're not capturing we're the not young compatible. audience here very well. Uh, <laughs> anyways, let's move on. Uh, new segment. We're trying out a lot of new segments today. We've got the Tomahawk Q&A, where the listener sends in your questions on Twitter and your thoughts to Tomahawk HQ using hashtag Tomahawk, and we'll respond to the best ones on every show. And this week, we've got a few we wanted to talk about. Uh, D. Weiss asks, best road trip story, college or pros? Mm. Best road trip story. I don't know. I don't really have. All the road trips, they're all the same to me. None of them are fun. You never had any teammates that did anything crazy or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I've had teammates do some real well, that, crazy so stuff. So there had to be a good road trip story for you. Well, you, go, you shoot one at me and let all me. Right. You set the tone. All right. Man, all right here we go. So <laughs> this is my rookie year in the NFL. Uh-huh. Uh, it was either my rookie year or my second year. But Romeo Cornell was the head coach. And we're going to Tennessee. And he decides it's towards the end of the year. It'd be a good idea to reward all the practice squad guys and bring them on the trip with us, uh-huh. which is like a huge mistake because now you've got 10 or 12, 20, 21, 22-year-old guys uh-huh. that are taking their first road trip and they have literally zero responsibility <laughs> to the team on Sundays except for standing on the sideline and trying not to fall over drunk from right. the night before. Now, of course, you have curfew, but there are ways around it a little bit if you're creative. So – these two guys, they happen to be offensive linemen. They were roommates. They decided this was the right opportunity to sneak out of their hotel room after curfew. And not just any sneak out, not like going through the hallway, but they were doing like the prison, prison escape <laughs> style sneak where they're like tying bed, bed sheets, sheets together. together and, and they're climbing out of their balcony. I swear to God, this is a true story. <laughs> they were on the second story, so it wasn't like three stories, but they were on the second story. They tied their bed sheets to the railing of their balcony, and they dropped down to the floor, and they ended up going out with some buddies, and they spent all night out in Nashville getting hammered, having fun, <laughs> and they were planning they were just going to come back at like 6.30 in the morning right when the team meal kind of starts, uh-huh. and nobody was going to notice that they were gone because they would never be in the hallway where they have off-duty police officers making sure nobody leaves their room, right. and it was a foolproof plan, right? Mm-hmm. Well. It all sounds good until you've had about 25 beers and it's five in the morning and you've been partying all night. And now somehow you got to get back to your room, which is locked because they forgot the number one part of the story is you have to prop your door open. Uh. And they didn't bring a key. So they had no way to get back into their room. 
So I am not kidding you. At 5.30 in the morning, these two guys come back and realize that they can't get into their room. So they go to the front desk. And what do they tell the front desk? Because they're all hammered. They asked for a ladder. <laughs> Let that sink in. Were the in. bed sheets not over the window anymore? <laughs> they were not able to climb up the bed sheets because they were he- they were hefty guys. So they were unable to climb up the bed sheets. They didn't have the key to get into Road the room. Road scholars, too. So clearly. now the front, they think the front desk is going to give them a ladder so that they can climb <laughs> back up onto the balcony and get into their room. Of course, we have it all on security footage. So Romeo Cornell finds out about it the next day because the front desk instantly calls the Brown security and tells them we've got two huge guys that are incredibly drunk asking for a ladder. Security comes down, the whole thing, they get busted, they get in trouble, and Romeo made them sit on the bus the entire game and think about what they did. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually probably the best case scenario for them <laughs> for them they got cut like the next week well, that, so. that, that wasn't really good either that but a, that's a I, I thought it was so funny because they were so hung over and you just made i don't have sit any stories bus. like that i don't have any stories I, there was one time where i think like a couple of players might have snuck out to like a a strip club and there was a couple of coaches and they basically came face <laughs> they were to face. Both there. like what are you doing here and they're like and the players got all scared and then they're like wait a minute what are y'all doing here yeah. And then it was kind of like, all right, you didn't see me. I didn't see you. And they just went their separate ways. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, One last quick story for me. It wasn't a road trip, but it was actually a home game. Um, And at home games, you have the same type of hotel situation as you do on the road. Like you're in your room at 11, door is locked, hallways occupied by police officers, even for a home game. So Uh um, we had a player, I'm not going to say what his name was, but he got caught trying to bring a huge duffel bag suitcase, a roller, with a girl in it (laughs) through the hallways to his room. And, of course, security saw this massive suitcase that was talking, rolling down the hallway, stopped him, (laughs) caught him. And when he got caught, the player offered the security guard $1,000 to not turn him in. But what he didn't know is the Browns coaches were smarter and said, to the security officers, if anybody ever offers you money to try to pay you off to not snitch on them, we'll double it. We'll double it. You oh, keep it and we'll double it. Genius. So the player lost $1,000. The security guards got 1000 plus the 2000 oh, from the Browns. Man. Still turned him in, and he got suspended for the game. That's dirty. I don't even know. I don't like that story, man. I don't you don't like, like it. It hurt you. It hurts Did my that heart. happen to you before? No, man, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like the, oh. the, the, I don't like the fact that the coaches had the one-up. The coaches one up. They, they were thinking ahead. I will say this about home games. I never stayed in the hotel. Never? I always I left. don't believe that. I always left the hotel. Like at what time? Now like that I'm out of the league, I can come cre- no, like 10.30? Not, not that early, but like, you know, like you said, we have to be in. Curfew was at 11, and, you know, you have to stay in the hotel. But I couldn't sleep. Like, I would be, like, so nervous before games. And I'm like, when I first got to the league, I wasn't getting any sleep, and it was affecting my play. So I'm like, I just sleep better in my own bed. So I would just go to sleep and then set my alarm for 1.30. And at 1.30 in the morning, I get up, sneak out of my room, Go to my car. Really? I would have to park like down the street and go home and sleep the rest of the night at home. How did you sneak out of your room if there's a police officer there? Well, usually there's a he's on one side and then the door is on the other side, you know. So I would there was like always a time they always take a break. So I would have to figure out in the preseason <laughs> when the <laughs> guy had a break or when they weren't there, and that's when I would I would time it around. And then as I got older, you know, I just stopped not gi- I stopped giving a damn. Like when you walk <laughs> out like you're supposed to be leaving, they like. You know, because at that time, like, the the guy that was doing security was younger than me. Maybe, like, 2 in the morning, you know, I'm like, 
I come out in like shorts and a t-shirt in the middle of the winter. So it looks like I'm just going to like to get a coffee, but I never brought anything. I would purposely leave my coat in the car, have flip-flops on, and I'd have like a newspaper in my hand, and I would just get on the elevator and walk out, <laughs> and then I just wouldn't leave. I would never come back. <laughs> so if you remember, Petten actually put the or uh whatever it was, Petten put a rule in place. That we had to stay. I was a the person they had that rule in place about when they came out and said you had to stay overnight because really? they were getting reports that I was just getting up and leaving. And they, yeah. like, they wouldn't say anything to me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go sleep well, at home. I mean, they knew you weren't going out running the streets. Right, exactly. They knew you were going home, exactly. but still, it was funny. When, when you said you had a newspaper in your hand, that <laughs> made me laugh because it reminds me of a story from Alex Mack. This is a life hack for all you guys that are getting ready to life go hacks, to work like or you're, or you're uh, listening to our podcast at the office. Um, if you walk down the hall carrying a stack of papers, acting like they're important papers and you're going somewhere, nobody will ever stop you to give you more work. Ah, I like that. So there's your life hack. Like, oh, I, I got these papers. I got to go <laughs> give these to somebody. You just got to act like you got these really important papers. You got to go somewhere and nobody's going to pull you into a meeting or ask you to give you more work and your boss isn't going to ask that's, you about something. That's genius. That's and, genius. I'm going to have to use it. The other life hack is even when you leave – put your hat on your desk. So leave a hat on your desk all the time. So even when you d don't show up for work or you're late, <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to walk by your office and see your hat and think you're there, but you're just somewhere in the building that they can't find you. Genius. And you leave your light on and leave your coat there. Leave a keys, hat, and a light always. I that like was it. the old I got a life hack for you that I literally use still, and I have no problems telling you. So when I go to the airport, you know, now we're in the digital age. Like, you know, when you get to the line, it's like you have regular security, you know, now I'm TSA, so I don't do it as much. But you have regular security, then you have priority or first class. And those people go, like, whew, right through. So what I do with all of my tickets is I, like, I buy my ticket, and then I have first class tickets that I've saved from before. And I just Photoshop the Dude, little priority thing idea. right on to, or right through my phone. Just, boom, put it on top of it. And they say, let me see. And you show them. And it's like, oh, okay. They don't, you don't scan or anything. They just... You just show them, and they get you right to the first class lane. So I literally breeze through security wow. every single time I'm in the airport by photoshopping a first class <laughs> sticker on my ticket. That's that's actually a, a very very smart idea Deep that life I've hat. never thought of. You will never travel yeah. the same ever again. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, Tom Hoffman. Yeah, that's great. I got one quick story. I know we've spent a lot of time on this, but we got a lot of interesting stuff to say here. Yeah, man. Um, there's a lot of Bill Belichick stories that still float around the Browns building from when he was here in the 90s. Uh -huh. And one of the great stories that I heard about him being such a great, thoughtful, deceptive coach is that he always had two cars. And when he got the job, he parked a car in his spot. But then he would drive and actually park in the back when he'd come to work. So if anybody was coming to the, the facility, whether it be a coach or a scout, they would always see his car parked in his oh. spot, even when he wasn't there. And he would always also leave the light on in his office. So somebody would think that he was always there working. And those guys in the scouting office and the coaching office were so afraid to leave before he would, they would – it would encourage them to stay much right. longer hours until 11, and they never know when night. he's there when and he's they not. never really knew when he was there and when he wasn't and when they could sneak out of the building. That was like from an episode of Seinfeld. They did dude, that. dude's a genius, man. Hey, maybe they got it from Belichick. Yeah, dude's a genius. Well, look that that wraps up this edition of the Tomahawk Show, man. Presented to you by Uninterrupted, episode three. Glad to have Joe back in the studio. The vibe was incredible as always. Listen, if you're if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag Tomahawk. Send us your tweets, suggestions, feedback, questions. If you want to talk stuff, you know, talk some stuff to us. I'm all for it. Subscribe, rate five stars, call your aunts, your uncles, your cousins. 
tell them to rate five stars and have them put our podcast on a milk carton for their workplaces so then they could subscribe and rate five stars because we are not opposed to whoring ourselves out in that manner. We appreciate you guys coming. Um, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and everywhere else that you get your podcast. Joe, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are I think we need to put a challenge out there to see if we can reach a certain mm. number of ratings like on iTunes because, you know, as you know, this is our volunteer gig. You know, we're just doing this yeah. out of the goodness of our heart Shit for our days. hardcore fans. Uh, I think it would be fun to try to maybe knock – uh, somebody off their podcast pedestal, namely, pardon my take, You're going because to the top spot. They, they are like the gold oh. standard when it comes to podcasts. Everybody loves them. I love them. We're big fans. We're going to hopefully get on their show, get them on our We're show. Do a home the and Super away. Bowl week. We're going to do a home and away like they do in college. I like it. And uh, I think it's important that we knock them off their pedestal. Even only for one week, I think it would be really awesome and it would start a little rivalry. Yeah. Do you think this is the week we can knock them off? I think so. I think this was a pretty good show. I think we do dove into some very interesting stories and topics. All right, we're going to tweet that out. That's, that's our goal. We're trying to knock part of my take. We want the number one spot this week. We're not going to stop until we get it. We need it for at least one week. Dan, what do you got? Last thoughts. I want to get you guys' Super Bowl picks before we go. Oh, I, I know you're shying away from picks because oh, you've been doing so bad. No, luck. no. It's fine, though, because my, my midseason, not even midseason, it was like week five. I have this on record on ESPN. My Super Bowl picks were Minnesota and New England. Well, we don't care about ESPN. Everything we else. care about Tomahawk. <laughs> How many times did you pick different teams for the Super <laughs> no, that Bowl? Was, That's what it, I want to know. Field Yates, my, my co-host, will, will attest. That has been my Super Bowl picks. Now, the rest of my playoff picks are horrible. What is my overall record, Dan? I know you got the stats. Yeah, stats are for losers, as Bill Belichick will tell you. So yes. I'm a loser. Uh, our playoff picks so far, I am 4-4. Four and four, Joe is 3-5. and five, And Hawk, you are 2-6. and six. But who are my two teams? The Vikings and New England. Does that get According to field points? So if, if they go to the Super Bowl, I am Bill Belichick. I can say stats are for losers. <laughs> I <pick> final, <laughs> final predictions are for winners. I also have the Patriots in Minnesota. Joe, who you got? Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I feel like I should be a contrarian, but I, I don't see that the Jaguars have a chance against the Patriots. <laughs> They're going to boat race them <laughs> the entire game. And I do think Minnesota is going to win that game. I think Case Keenum's – just a little bit better than Nick Foles. He's playing well. I think that defense in Minnesota is just a little bit better than Philly. But honestly, I think the best game of the Super Bowl for the Patriots would be against the Eagles. I think that defense, that defensive line specifically, yeah. it reminds me of the Giants when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl a bunch of years ago, wow. and they just beat the hell out of Tom Brady. Because really, that's the only way you can beat the Patriots. You got to get to Tom Brady. You got to hit him early. You got to hit him off, and you got to sack him. You got to affect his throws. They got three good defenses in, in Tom Brady left in the. <laughs> Quarterbacks, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, and Tom Brady, just the way we drew it up. So we are in unison with our picks, and there's only one thing left to say. Joe Hawk yourself. Joe Hawk yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Joe See you Hawk next yourself. week.